What's up, Ken folk? Welcome to the number one ranked show sponsored by DirecTV Stream. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, or listening wherever you get your podcast. Today, I'm going to talk through my top 25 following week four. Consider the odds of college football chaos this weekend and Minnesota putting money in the bag. Let's go. It's the number one ranked show. All right, so my top 25 was shaken, not stirred. And this is no time to die unless you're Clemson. Clemson's cooked. But the rest of you, with the one loss, it's no time to die. Simply let James Bond be a woman post-Daniel Craig. That's all I'm saying. Look, there are 26 undefeated teams left, and a handful aren't in the top 25. And that's where we're going to start with, check out the AP's top 25. Right? Like, this is what we got from them. All right. It's wrong. Now, let's talk about why I'm right. At number 25, I got the Texas Longhorns. Defeated Texas Tech, 70-35. They were 3-1, and one, right? B. John Robinson had 20 touches for 191 yards with a TD. Texas quarterback Casey Thompson hit 18 of 23 for 303 with five tutties, and the Longhorns put up 70 on a previously undefeated Texas Tech. Texas travels to Texas Christian this week. Both are one-loss teams, but Texas State Senator Lois Kokorst made sure TCU remains undefeated when she roasted University of Texas or University of Texas President Jay Hartzell. Check this out. What's your athletic budget? It's over two hundred million. It's probably two twenty, two twenty-five in that range. Where does that put you in the U.S.? Uh, depending on the, how you count, probably first. And that's without a winning football team of late. It's in, in spite of our, in spite of our football team. We, we've been winning, just not like we like to win. Three and seven against the Horn Frogs. Um, <laughs> Yo, <laughs> that's still awesome. All right, apart from the boom roasted moment at issue this weekend, Texas at Texas Christian this week features two of the best tailbacks in the country, and both are former five stars. Texas's B. John Robinson averages 109 yards on the ground, and TCU Zach Evans averages 110. As for this ranking. The AP has Clemson here at number 25. I can't abide that. Number one, I am not the dude. And I do roll on Shabbos. But just for a second here, allow me to bask in Clemson. Clemsoning. All right? Two and two through four. I Look, I told you after they lost the game to Georgia, they was cooked for the playoff. Now, we're about to get into a position where if some things happen, and we'll talk about those things happening, we won't have to see Clemson anywhere near anybody's AP Top 25 because they will have had more losses than wins. Taking it back 
to a time I like to call 2007. Man, I can't wait for the college football chaos because that's one of the things that would have to happen. But I'm just, allow me to drink in. Clemson, who I had at number 11, you know, because funny and it was true. Now I don't even have ranked. And the AP putting them at t- a top 25 team, just, what are we doing here? We have 26 undefeated teams. What the hell are we doing with a two-loss team in the top 25? This is why the rankings suck. But I'm also going to get into why my rankings are awesome. Now, I thought about Wake Forest in this spot at 4-0. But I decided hanging 70 on an undefeated Texas Tech was more impressive than rolling up Virginia and a bad Florida State I thought was good. Texas San Antonio, Wyoming, South Alabama, and Army are all undefeated. But they're already propping up, again, this two-loss Clemson through four games based on what it has done in the past and what the recruiting rankings tell us instead of what has happened on the field since August 29th when we started playing, you know, football this year. I thought about putting North Carolina State in this spot after beating Clemson, but Clemson hasn't looked great all year, and NC State has one loss, two. And the Wolfpack loss was to Mississippi State, who lost to Memphis and was just beaten by Texas San Antonio who has an argument at 4-0 to be a top 25 team, too. At number 24, you can see I got the Florida Gavers, who are 3-1. They defeated Tennessee, 38-14. Florida's best win all season is this 2-2 Tennessee team with a first-year head coach who lost to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh lost to West Virginia, or Western Michigan. What I'm saying is, Florida, go beat somebody, okay? The team that you beat that's got the best Record of anybody you beat also has as many losses as Clemson. Okay, stop whining about how y'all lost to Bama at home. You are lucky to be here, and Kentucky might force you out altogether this weekend. Number 23, I got San Diego State. The Aztecs are 4 0. They defeated Towson last week. It's nobody, but they're 4 0. 48 21 was the score. The Aztecs have as many Pac 12 wins, though, as Oregon does. And just as many wins this season as the best Pac-12 team in the country is what I'm saying, right? We're talking about Oregon playing the playoff. Number 22, I got those Wildcats at 4-0. They defeated South Carolina 16-10 in the last 20 years. UK has started 4-0 just three times before, 2002, 2007, and 2008, and all without having to exit the EU. And UK is 2-0 in the SEC for the first time since 2018 and only the second time since 1977. They get a chance to knock off the Florida Gators at home this weekend. And I'm telling you, if it happens, you're going to hear about it right here on the number one ranked show. I guarantee it. Number 21, I got Boston College. The Eagles are 4-0. They defeated Missouri 41-34 in overtime. The win against Missouri was BC's first against an SEC opponent in 20 years. This is the first time BC has begun the season 4-0 since there's that year again, 2007. What a year Jeff Halfley is having. He's doing an absolute job with no Brian Brzee, who's out for the year with a torn ACL, and no Will Shipley, who will miss a few weeks with a lower leg injury. And after the loss of Tyler Davis, defensive tackle to Georgia Tech against Georgia Tech, the wicked smart College Eagles are in a position to move to 5-0, as well as, again, not Clemson, out of the AP Top 25. I dare y'all to rank a three-loss 
Clemson team six weeks into the season. I dare y'all. Number 20, we got the Southern Methodist Mustangs, who are also 4-0. and They defeated Texas Christian 42-34 last week since 2019. Southern Methodist is 21-6 and with Sonny Dykes as head coach, which means, you know, woof, Chad Morris. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Number 19, I got Maryland. They are also 4-0. and they defeated Kent State 37-16. We got a little bit more. We're going to go into some detail about Maryland. But the Terps have started 4-0 for the first time since 2016. And they get number five, Iowa, in the most anticipated Friday night fight in recent memory. Number 18, I got Fresno State. Bulldogs are 4-1. They defeated UNLV 38-30. I've already circled October 30th on my calendar. That's the day undefeated Fresno, oh, excuse me, undefeated San Diego State host Fresno State in a rivalry that dates back to November 29th, 1923. Number 17, I have the Oklahoma State Cowboys, who are 4-0 after defeating Kansas State 31-20. Cowboys, now I have more top 25 wins than the Sooners after dispatching AP and RJ top 25 team, K-State. They took a 31-10 lead in the second quarter and hit the cruise control. They welcomed their second straight AP and RJ top 25 opponent this week in Baylor. Pokes linebacker Malcolm Rodriguez ranked number four among all active FBS players with 207 solo tackles and is number seven among all active FBS players with 322 total tackles. And he is from down the road from me in Wagner, Oklahoma. That man is looking like an All-American out there. Then at number 16, I have the Baylor Bears, which is you know, kind of convenient, I'll admit. At 4-0, they defeated a ranked Iowa State, 31-29. to Baylor wrecked Kansas and so far has pulled off the biggest upset of Big 12 conference play. Baylor's upset of Iowa State is the first win the Bears have had over a ranked opponent since 2015. And while we're here, NC State is 3-1 with a win against an opponent. You know, it hasn't beaten since 2011. Again, Clemson's kind of a theme throughout all of this. But the reason I want to talk about Oklahoma State and Baylor is they're going to play each other this weekend. Somebody's O has got to go. Dave Aranda's defense versus Casey Dunn's offense is what I'm here for. But I'm really just shocked that Oklahoma State has been this good after suffering so many injuries. They went to Boise State and they got a win. Beating Kansas State, I don't care if they got a quarterback or not, and it didn't seem like they had one. It's still tough to do. And I think with Baylor going 4-0 to start the season and knowing what kind of fits that defense has given Lincoln Riley's offense, man, Baylor comes out of this with a win. We're going to have to start talking about them as perhaps getting back to the Big 12 championship game. And I'm going to circle that Oklahoma-Baylor game on the calendar to say nothing of Bedlam, which is tremendously lopsided. But, you know, a clock is right. A broken clock is right twice a day. Wouldn't rule it out that Oklahoma State could maybe go get a win. Yeah, I can. At number 15, I have the Michigan Wolverines. They are 4-0, and they defeated Rutgers 20-13. Damn, Rutgers. Uh, a note about Michigan right quick. They are the last team in FBS play to not commit a turnover. They take care of the football is what I'm saying, right? I don't know that they can score. But they, play, they take care of the football, and they play great defense. Perhaps that's enough to finally get Jim Harbaugh a win in the game this year. We will see. At number 14, I have Ole Miss, who was 3-0 and is coming off a bye. 
Mississippi demonstrated last year they are the team best fit to put up points on them boys built by Bama. You're on the big stage now, Ole Miss. Let's see if you can finish this year what you couldn't last year. I'm telling you, if you can move the ball the way that you moved the ball last year, you got a shot. Problem is, last year, you put up 647 yards of offense and scored 48 points, and you still got sunned 63 points from Bama and over 700 yards of offense from Bama. I don't know that this year's offense is as potent as last year's offense down in Tuscaloosa, but going in Tuscaloosa and getting a win, that ain't, that, ain't, that ain't no easy thing to do. And I'm not so sure that they could pull it off, but perhaps they're the best team that Alabama faces offensively all year. Number 13, I got the Michigan State Spartans. They are 14-0, defeated Nebraska 23-20 in overtime, which also led me to poor Nebraska. They have been playing their butts off the last few weeks, and all they got to show for it is these L's. Number 12, I got Coastal Carolina. The Chanticleers defeated Massachusetts 53-2-3. Sun do shine, sun do shine, sun do shine. That's, that's a rock, rock doodle reference. You're going to get a lot more rock doodle references because we got Chanticleers in the top 25, all right? Number 11, I got Cincinnati. 3-0, coming off a bye. They get Notre Dame this week. Again, Cincy, this is your shot. If you get Wisconsin, you're going to get clowned. All right? All I got is a bunch of angry Cincy fans and my mentions talking about, yo, why aren't we a top 25 ball club? Because you ain't beat nobody. Who you have you beaten? You're 3-0. You're coming off a bye. You ought to, you're favored in this game, which we will talk about a little bit later on. You got to get past Notre Dame. Okay, now that we have gone through 11 through 25, it's time to talk about the top 10 teams in the galaxy. All right? Number 10, Brigham Young, the Cougars, 4-0. They defeated a bad South Florida, 35-27. But again, the Cougars got two ranked wins, and they got some Pac-12 wins in there as well. Brigham Young might run the table, and then we might have to start talking about, yo, you know, expand the playoff this year because they might be undefeated and y'all still won't put them in the playoff. I'm telling you. Expand the playoff, you cowards. Okay, number nine, I got the Ohio State Buckeyes. They are 3-1. and one. They defeated Akron 59-7 to seven last week. This without the starting quarterback on the bench. And linebacker Kayvon Pope joining the fight and Vontae Davis at halftime. No, really, Pope quit at halftime. After being waved off in a substitution, he threw his gloves into the crowd and then tweeted an obscenity in the direction of Ohio State. And I can't stress this enough, in a game against Akron, he has, you know, been removed from the team. Ryan Day really didn't have a choice. But for me, the story is Kyle McCord, who was outstanding in this game. Like, again, giving C.J. Stroud a breather, Wanting to see what you got in one Kyle McCord and one Jack Miller. But the reason that I think this is important is Ryan Day was frustrated with himself because he did not get Jack Miller or C.J. Stroud opportunities to throw the football in 2020. So he wanted to see what he had in Miller and Stroud. And what we saw from Stroud is he completed 13 of 18 for 319 yards and two touchdowns. I think you got your QB too. Now, what I think is going to be interesting, you know, is that those 319 yards passing 
are the most for a quarterback in his debut start at Ohio State. You know, the record was previously held by Dwayne Haskins at 313 versus Oregon State. Again, I think it's interesting, but this was the Zips who got zipped. And I don't expect a QB controversy for the Buckeyes, and neither should you. Because I see a bunch of y'all already taking these 13 completions, 318 yards, and talking about how this man should have C.J. Stroud's job. Chill out, man. That's what I'm saying. Chill out, all right? Number eight, I got the Arkansas Razorbacks. 4-0, defeated Texas A&M 2010 last weekend. As I said Saturday, with this one win, Arkansas is 4-0 for the first time since 2003. They won a game against an AP Top 7 program for the first time since 2010 and snapped a near-decade-long losing streak to the Ampersand U Farmers. It means A&M got exposed in their state of residence, where they pay their taxes, where they mama stay. It's the first time Arkansas has beaten Texas and Texas A&M in the same season since 1988. I was born in 87. The Razorbacks went 10-2 that year and finished number 12 in the AP poll. In recognition of this tremendous achievement, I ask that you do your part and support a campaign to rename the state of Texas, West Arkansas, a Razorback territory. Also, remember when I said since 2019, Southern Methodist is 21-6 with Sonny Dykes as the head coach with, you know, what the pit boss has done, has just accomplished at Arkansas? I don't think there's a more glaring indictment of Chad Morris as a college head coach than this 2021 season. Both SMU and Arkansas are a combined 8-0. Yikes. Okay, number seven. I got Oklahoma. They are 4-0, defeated West Virginia 16-13. The same people who want to bench Spencer Rattler are the ones who wanted to bench Kenneth Murray Jr. Y'all will know K-9 became the first defensive player selected in the first round of the NFL draft out of Oklahoma in 10 years. I was caping for K-9 before y'all decided that he was good, and y'all's memories are shorter than I am. And I'm five foot five. For those talking about Spence Rattler ain't no Heisman finalist, Oklahoma has never won the Heisman and a national title in the same year. Guess which one Oklahoma Rattler and OU fans want more? However, I will allow this team feels like 2012 Notre Dame, even 2015 Oklahoma, capable of running the regular season table only to get rolled up and shoved in a locker by someone built by Bama. You get what I'm saying? Up next for OU, again, Kansas State. We've literally experienced an Old Testament plague since the last time Oklahoma beat Kansas State. At number six, I got the Penn State Nittany Lions at 4-0. They defeated Villanova this weekend, 38-17. It's not just that quarterback, Sean Clifford, won Big Ten Co-Offensive Player of the Week. It's that it's the first such honor for a Penn State player since K.J. Hamler won the award nearly two years ago on October 21st, 2019. Clifford threw for a career-high 401 yards and a career-high tying four tutties in the win against Nova. Only two Penn State quarterbacks have thrown for more than 400 yards in a game. Christian Hackenberg had 454 against UCF in 2014, and Clifford last Saturday. And those Nittany Lions are 4-0 with Indiana on deck. You continue to get this kind of play out of Sean Clifford, 
you're going to go beat somebody. Like, they went 11-2 and two when Sean Clifford was good in 2019. And he seems to be the reason they are good or bad. We'll see what they got against Indiana. At number five, I got Iowa. The Hawkeyes, 4-0. They defeated Colorado State 24-14 last week. They get an unblemished and undefeated Maryland on Friday night. I'm very excited about that game. We're going to talk a little bit more about it later in the show. Number four, I got Notre Dame. They are 4-0, defeated Wisconsin 41-13 with whiskey coming off a bye, right? Notre Dame scored 31 unanswered points in 14 minutes of football at Soldier Field in Chicago this weekend. And the 41 points given up by the Badgers are the most an opponent has scored since 2014. Ohio State scored 59 on them. But if they get beat by Cincy at home, they'll also have put money in the bag. That's tease. That's, that's, that's what that is. That's tease. Number three, I got the Georgia Bulldogs. That's 4-0. Georgia Bulldogs. They defeated Vanderbilt 62 to 0. Look, the final score was Georgia's largest in an SEC game since the Dogs put that lockjaw on the Florida Gators 75 to 0 in 1942. And again, in this game against Vanderbilt, it was 35 to 0 after the first quarter. Means the Dogs could have scored 100 against Vandy. But that's not the story for me. The story is that the Dog defense has more hitters than the Dora Malaji. They held Vandy to just 77 total yards on a total of 46 plays. UGA allows just 7.7 points per game. And ahead of their game against former UGA offensive line coach Sam Pittman in Arkansas, we might want to keep an eye on that 7.7. Now, why is UGA ranked behind the number two team here? Simple. UGA has its best win coming against what we now know is an overrated Clemson with two losses where they couldn't score an offensive TD in that game. At number two, I'm holding steady with the Oregon Ducks. They defeated Arizona 41-19. to It's not that Oregon moved to 4-0 for the first time since 2014. It's that the last time the Ducks began a season 4-0, they ended the season in the national title game. For the Trivial Pursuit college football deck I'm putting together, Nebraska coach Scott Frost was the offensive coordinator of that Oregon Duck team. In Oregon's 15th straight home win, Duck safety Vernon McKinley also intercepted his fourth pass in four games. As for Arizona, the Wildcats haven't won a game since October 5th, 2019. They won't get a chance to play again until October 9th when they welcome UCLA to Arizona Stadium. Means at least two years will pass before Arizona's next win comes at a football game. Arizona's losing streak is now 16 straight. It's so bad at Arizona that the Wildcats are holding walk-on tryouts next month. And an honorable mention for the Pac-12 here, Oregon State went on the road and got its first win against USC at the Coliseum since 1960, maybe, just maybe, Clay Hilton ain't your problem. Food for thought. And, of course, number one, I have the Alabama Crimson Tide. They defeated Southern Miss 63-14, my mother's alma mater, and I will gloat. On the same day that Clemson lost to unranked North Carolina State for the first time in 10 years, 
Nick Saban and the Alabama Crimson Tide recorded their 100th consecutive win against an unranked opponent. Means Saban hasn't lost to an unranked opponent since the iPhone first launched. Means Nick Saban hasn't lost to an unranked opponent since Tennessee was relevant. Means Nick Saban hasn't lost to an unranked opponent in so long that the banner needs to hang at Louisiana Monroe. Means Nick Saban hasn't lost to an unranked opponent since I moved out of my parents' house and I'm a grown-ass 34-year-old homeowner, dog. I'm going to hang a banner too now that I think about it. Nick Saban hasn't lost to an unranked opponent since your summer fling turned 14 years old. You should hang a banner too. Call it a marriage certificate. If Arkansas beats Georgia, or Ole Miss beats Alabama, Cincinnati, or Notre Dame, then we got a party is what I'm saying. And I'm trying to 2007 the hell out this season as fast as possible. Like, we're going to get a little bit into that because that, ooh, I want chaos. We, we love chaos on this show. All right. It is time for, for, you, for, you, for your man's comeuppance, okay? It's time for your man's comeuppance. Just, I just need a second. Just need a second. In my preseason top 25, I listed the Florida State Seminoles as one of the 25 best teams in college football. Five weeks into the season, CFBR Fox ran this graphic right here on Monday afternoon. And there is nothing like seeing a graphic on Twitter and realizing you've just shown up to your own roasting. Like a lost feral hog happening upon a roaring fire surrounded by 12 angry Florida fans who haven't eaten in days. Not only is Florida State winless, it's been featured on the number one ranked show's Money in the Bag segment. And its coach, Mike Norvell, received the dreaded vote of confidence before the first month of the season had even concluded. But it's also another demonstration that voters, myself included, are flawed. Even if we're right, or I'm right, most of the time. NCAA recognized selectors and computers can make distinctions like Michigan is the number one team in the country after week four. That's for real. The Kali Matrix has Michigan as the number one team in the country. It's also the same poll that awarded UCF the 2017 national title and the reason they get to hang the banner. This is why I lean on scoreboard. Scoreboard! Scoreboard! Scoreboards are empirical. Okay? The reason I push for a 16-team playoff with the 10 FBS conferences. As long as you have 10 FBS conferences, have 10 automatic qualifiers with six at-large bids for your plucky independents like BYU or Notre Dame and your SEC runner-up types because you want to get those folks into the playoff. And really, what I want is a definitive road for all 130 teams to have a chance to play for a national title. Because... I think it's wildly unfair that you or I, from our couch, determine who is and isn't worthy like kings unto our desires. Authority quite silenced by our brawl and a rough of our opinions clothed. That last sentence, it's not me, it's Shakespeare, who no doubt had the playoff on his mind when writing that speech for Sir Thomas More on immigration and fairness. Look, winning matters is what I'm saying. Running the table undefeated is an achievement so often discounted by this sport that it drives me nuts. 
But we have this system that we have, and since we do, we have to root on chaos for the chance at anything like, you know, parity. And that is very important to me because there's a real chance for chaos this weekend. With three high-profile top 25 matchups and one really interesting one where, you know, we'll get to it in just a second, that could throw the top 10 all out of whack if there are even four upsets? Favorites to win? Maybe? Allow me to explain. So, on the flight back home from Chicago, I asked myself a question, okay? And the question was, what would a 14 playoff parlay, not playoff, what would a 14 parlay look like if I had Cincinnati beating Notre Dame, Maryland beating Iowa, Ole Miss beating Bama, and Arkansas beating Georgia? And I got those odds because my homie at the Fox Sports Digital Gambling site, that's Andrew Lynch, shout out to him and the folks at Fox Bet, actually gave me the odds and the chances that those things could occur when I asked questions like, this Marvel what if? Think of me as the watcher. What if Fox Bet's underdog, plus 160 Maryland, beats number five, Iowa? Iowa is an absolute, well, they're a monster, but they're on an absolute tear. The Hawkeyes are not only one of the five best teams in the country, but have not lost a game since October 31st last year. In those 10 games, they've outscored opponents 329 to 117, which is another way of saying they play outstanding defense. They rank third in the country in scoring defense, allowing just 11 points per game through a third of the 2021 season. That's not a fluke. The Hawkeyes haven't allowed more than 24 points in a game since November 23rd, 2018. That's 26 straight games of holding opponents under 25 points. That is the longest streak in the sport, and it's tied for the longest streak ever in the sport by an FBS team since 1990. It means the Hawkeyes could go into the history books simply by holding the Terps to 24 points or fewer, whether they win that game or not. The Terps, though, they put up points. Mike Loxley's squad threw up 37 on Kent State to improve to 4-0 this season. It's the first time in five years that Maryland has begun the season with four straight wins, and quarterback Tolulia Tonga-Baloa has been one of the biggest reasons why the Terps have begun the season so hot. He threw for 384 with three TDs against the Golden Flashes, and his 1,340 yards passing are good enough for the best start by a Maryland quarterback since 1993. On the end of those passes, it's Dante Demas. He's pushing toward making history, too. His seven career 100-yard receiving games are tied for the second most all-time in school history. Add to this, Maryland is going into this game mad as hell at the Associated Press voters. It's the only undefeated Big Ten team that the AP refused to rank while, you know, the league's highest-ranked team is the team they're going to face. Also, that spot where you got Clemson, you could have easily slotted Maryland there, and we could have avoided all this. That's what I'm saying. But the Fox bet implied probability that Maryland beats Iowa or the chance that they'll beat them is just 38.5%. But that's actually pretty good in comparison to some of, some of these other games. Which led me to this next one. What if number 12 Ole Miss, who's a plus 70, 475 underdog, beats number one Alabama? Okay, so prior to Florida's two-point loss to Alabama this season, Ole Miss gave Alabama the closest thing we would see to a real scare last October 
during this Tide's current 18-game winning streak, right? Last season, Lane Kiffin and his Matt Corral-led offense put up 647 yards and 48 points in a game the Rebels lost by double digits. You see what I'm saying here? Indeed, Ole Miss is putting up more yards, though, in points than Alabama and allowing fewer points than Alabama, right? So, check it. Alabama's putting up 465.5 yards per game. Ole Miss is putting up 635.5. However, with the turnover on the field and in the coaching staff, the season began with, you know, at least for me, a nascent idea that Nick Saban's program might appear vulnerable. And all it has done is roll up its competition. And then there were those Gators who were just as turned over on the field as Alabama was and probably as talented. This year, though, Ole Miss comes into the game averaging more points with 52.7 than Alabama with 46.5. Heading into their top 15 matchup on Saturday, the Rebels are also allowing fewer points total, right? They're giving up 62 total on the season. Alabama's giving up 70, but again, they've only played three games. Ole Miss has scored 43 points in every game it has played, and that, coupled with Kiffin's warp speed offense, are the reasons to believe the Rebels can pull off the biggest upset of the year with a win in Tuscaloosa. Meanwhile, Alabama has become such a global brand that it would not surprise me to find out Alabama has a booster who is also a Saudi Arabian prince. Just wouldn't. But then there is this. Nick Saban has won 83 of 91 games as a head coach of the number one team in the AP poll. Ridiculous. And Alabama is 102-13 over to overall. What I'm saying is, it's hard to beat Alabama when they're the number one team in the country. It's been impossible to beat Nick Saban if you work for him. Check this out. Nick Saban also is a mere 23-0 against his former assistants. So what is the chance that Ole Miss beats Alabama? According to Fox Bet, the implied probability is just 17.4%. Okay, another game that I'm watching really closely. What if number eight Arkansas, who is a plus 700 underdog, beats number two Georgia in Athens? Again, this shocked me. Like, the spread on this game started at like 18, 18 five. Just ridiculous. 18 in the hook. The Razorbacks have beaten twice as many ranked opponents as the Dogs and have proven to be as capable as any team in the country, right? Especially these in the top 10. Arkansas plays the toughest schedule in the country, too, and is a team no one is excited to play this season. It also is a team with an institutional knowledge of Georgia. Razorback coach Sam Pittman is a former offensive line coach for UGA coach Kirby Smart. Perhaps it's that, like, Iowa, UGA is defensively outstanding. UGA has allowed just 23 points total this season. 23. That's 7.6 points per game. Or maybe it's that the Razorbacks haven't been undefeated this far into the season in 18 years. And few are sure they won't, you know, make like Icarus and melt, like, you know, flying too close to the spotlight. You know what I'm saying here? In a year where Arkansas has been stacking big-time wins, there's a reason to believe the Hogs can pull off the upset. But the Fox bet implied probability, chance that it could happen, is just 12.5%. Okay. What if Overdog Cincinnati beats Notre Dame? Check this out. This is absolutely shocking to me. Cincinnati 
is a minus 133 favorite to beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame Stadium. In fact, like when I first asked about the possibility of this parlay, I was stunned to see that since he is a favorite. And you could probably understand why after what Notre Dame's defense did to Wisconsin. But check this out. The last time, the only time, Notre Dame and Cincy played, none of us were even alive. The Fighting Irish beat the Bearcats 57-0 to 121 years ago on October 26, 1900. And though the Bearcats are favored to win this game, Notre Dame is a candidate to put the money in the bag to the tune of $1.2 million. But after the Irish demonstrative win against Wisconsin at Soldier Field, where the defense created five turnovers, again, I have a difficult time picking Cincy to win this game. However, Indy nearly lost in overtime to a Florida State team that I just got done roasting myself for putting in the top 25 and a middling Toledo squad at home. The Bearcats smacked an Indiana team that began the season, you know, as a preseason top 25 program, but they ain't played nobody since. But the Fox bet implied probability or chance that this could happen, you know, Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, is an astounding 57.1%. That is to say, the odds are ever in their favor over there in Ohio. Wild. So finally, what are the odds that the three underdogs and the one favorite win this weekend? So a four-team parlay picking Maryland, Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Cincy has odds of winning set at, check this out, plus 20,830 with an implied probability, chance that it could happen, of 0.5%. Means a $1 bet to earn, you know, could earn you, excuse me, $209.30 total. A $10 bet would earn you $2,093. A $100 bet would earn you $20,093. And my favorite, a $1,000 bet wins $200,930. For those of y'all that still got student loans that you would like to pay off just this weekend. I'm not saying place a bet, though. All I'm saying is be the watcher and ask, what if? All right. Now that we got all that out the way, let's get to the thing I know that y'all have been dying to see and what has become everybody's favorite segment right here on the number one ranked show. But we only got one team, so we go get it in right quick right now. It is time to put the money in the bag. It's not just that Bowling Green beat Minnesota. 14 to 10 at Huntington Bank Stadium. It's that Minnesota paid $1.45 million for the privilege. Means the BGs knock, knock, and stuck up Minnesota at the place of business that they call the bank. Walked into Gringotts, came out with the bag of gold, got galleons like gangsters got gats. Strutted through Diagon Alley like a Death Eater with a snake fetish. What's a goon to a goblin has quadruple meaning now. The BGs win against the Gophers. Snap Minnesota's 21-game winning streak against non-conference opponents. That was the longest active such streak in the country. And now it is graveyard dead. And as I prefer to say, though, the BGs made sure the Gopher streak is not 
staying alive. You did it, BG, staying alive. I thought it was funny. USA Today reports the not Sam Wilson Falcons signed a two-game contract with the Gophers. Means come 2025, the BGs might kick in Goaty to Gophers two front teeth and empty his pockets for another cool $1.5 million prior to the win this season. The BGs lost to producer Cats, Tennessee Volunteers, 38 to 6. Lost to directional Alabama, 22 to 19. And lost to Murray State, which ain't one, 27 to 10. Means the BGs just nailed their first Big Ten pelt to the wall since the Obama administration when they whooped Purdue and Maryland on the road in 2015. Means Minnesota suffered its first loss to a non-conference opponent ever in the P.J. Fleck era. And the program's first non-conference loss since losing to Texas Christian on September 23rd, 2015. How long ago was that? At the time, the Horn Frogs were the number two ranked team in the entire country. What I'm saying is Minnesota, you've been had. I said you've been took. I said you've been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok. This is what he does. Bowling Green, put the shimmy in the shag. Minnesota, put the money in the bag. That is our show for tonight. The number one ranked show is hosted by me, RJ Young. Thank you to our sponsor, Direct TV Stream. And our lead producer is Catherine Donnelly. Our director is John Marcus. Our social media manager is Javion Duncan. Our lead of screening is Rachel Cohn. And our executive producer is Kristen Herlihy. That is it for me. Deuces. <laughs>